Well, Tom Haynes was last with us uh, during COVID season. It's been too long, Tom, <laughs> since we've had you here. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come forward. Tom uh, has faithfully served in our denominational office for many years now, currently wearing, as we spoke, Tom, many different hats yeah. because yeah. of some staffing shortages. And it was only very recently that we talked on the phone. On short notice, you came. So we're just so yeah. thankful that you're here. And we'd like to pray for Tom before he speaks. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for Tom and his presence with us today. We ask, Lord, that you would anoint his heart and his lips. Uh, give him words to speak. May your wisdom, your encouragement, your challenge, your consolation uh, come through Tom as he is your vessel this morning. We pray for courage and boldness and joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is always a pleasure to be here at Snowden. Um, you know, I have uh, the first time I ever heard about Snowden Baptist Church was in 1985. Okay, lots of you weren't born in 1985, um, but I had already graduated from high school and. My best friend uh, was doing a degree program, a, an engineering degree program at Waterloo University. And he had his first work term for CP here in Montreal. And uh, he immediately found a church home right here. And he had every other semester had work terms in Montreal, and this was his home. And he was always bragging about this church called Snowden and how much he loved it here. And so you have a history of investing in students. And it was so encouraging today to hear you praying with Sarah over, uh, over the students and to do that because I know it's part of the faithful history of this church um, because, uh, you know, my best friend, his life uh, was impacted by this church. And he is serving God faithfully in Colorado right now. <laughs> uh, but he has been all over the world since then, uh, in Europe and in Asia and uh, you know, all over. And part of that is an impact that you guys have had and you don't even know about it anymore. Uh, but it's there. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. So I have the, the, um, the privilege of sharing with you what's going on in church planting, because that's my role. Uh, my, well, sort of my role. <laughs> I am the church planting director with Feb Central, and that's our Fellowship Baptist Churches in Ontario and Anglophone Quebec. Um, and uh, I've, I've had that privilege to wear that hat for almost 15 years now, um, and I've been doing that for quite a while. We've seen God do some amazing things, plant about 100 churches in that time, and seen lots of good things happening. Uh, there have been ups and downs in that time, and I want to tell you, COVID really kicked us in the stomach um, and has slowed things down a bit, but we are uh, in really good shape to take the road forward and upward in our growth again uh, at this time. So I want to just give you a bit of an update on that. There is now something that whoever's first can get a couple copies of this. There's, there's an update like this that is out on the table out there and only only three or four people will get one because that's all there is out there <laughs> but the rest of you can find this on febcentral.ca uh, the updates are always there i post the latest one but it's got stories of plant after plant after plant all those little pictures are church plants that are happening across our region um, and so they're good things that god's doing he's doing some amazing things um, and you'll be able to read about some of those. 
our region, there we are, our region um, spans Ontario and Quebec, over a million square kilometers uh, that, we, that we cover. And, uh, and in my role, I get to drive that all the time. And uh, so this morning I left at 2.45 to come to church. Uh, <laughs> what time did you have to get up? Uh, I got up at, at 2 <laughs> so that I could leave at 2.45. And, and I made it to church on time. Actually, I was early. <laughs> so if you were late, <laughs> um, so our, this is our region we span this huge area and you realize that more than half the population of Canada lives on the corridor that goes from Windsor up through the GTA through Montreal into Quebec City half the population of our country is in that area and it's amazing it's amazing 75% of all the Muslims in Canada live on that corridor we need to reach them for Jesus. More than half of all the Hindus in Canada live in that corridor. Now, uh, Brent was sharing some statistics, and, and I know they're supposed to be accurate um, because I hear them repeated by, by people who do research that more than 7%, almost 8% of the population of Canada uh, are evangelicals. Um, well... They say the number's right. I've just not found it. Um, I, I research cities and towns and communities all across our regions. And um, it's very rare for me to find a community with 5%. Most often it's less than that. When I planted my, the church that I planted in, in way back in the 90s, uh, actually, 99, uh, in the early 2000s, um, in, in the town that I grew up in, which had already, um, you know, three other Fellowship Baptist churches in it, I figured out if I filled all of the Bible-believing churches in town, all of the evangelical churches in town, twice, I got 5%. So that's if they were full to the gills, twice on Sunday. Now, they weren't even full once. And so when I go across, across the region, um, there's only one community that I found that had huge numbers, and that's in Bloomfield in Prince Edward County um, um, of Ontario, right this little out-of-the-way place to get there. It's like right out in the middle of nowhere um, on the lake, on Lake Ontario. And and uh, we have a church there, Bloomfield Baptist, which is about 600 people, and the community is 600 people. Um, <laughs> they come from all over the place into this little community. It's, it's quite an amazing thing to see it happen. Uh, that's the only one that I know of. Uh, now, uh, when, I, when I do research across, across the provinces, it gets worse the closer we get to the urban centers. And uh, so, you know, when, I'm, when I do research in the big cities like Montreal, um, typically we're in the 1%. Some neighborhoods, it's less. Same thing in Toronto, 1%. Neighborhoods that are 0.5% born again. 
That's the same here in Montreal. Um, one, of the, one of the things that happens to us, because we're believers and our friends are believers and our family often become believers as well, we kind of feel like the people around us are like us. It's a lie. It's a lie. They are lost. They are without Christ and headed to a Christless eternity. And uh, so, so we need to keep our eyes open. The good thing is um, we have some, some new churches being started, people reaching others for Jesus. And, and so uh, these are some of our church planters uh, reaching people from all different backgrounds, um, nationalities, and, and places in the world. And uh, we've got, we've got um, uh, uh, several from various countries in the Middle East and North Africa, as well as, as, well as um, places like the Philippines and, and, uh, and Korea and China and um, um, India and other places like that as well. Um, and reaching people for Jesus from the nations who have come to Canada, because we're home to the nations. Uh, and it's kind of a neat thing that we have this opportunity to do that. One of our great struggles right now is new church planters. And that has slowed since COVID, which I, I was surprised. I actually thought it would be the opposite effect when COVID happened, uh, that we would have more. We have less right now. And uh, so... Right now, um, we don't have a new church plant in Quebec. But what we do have is we have the training in place. We have the finances in place. We have the coaching uh, in place. We have everything. We need the planters, and then we can run. Um, so I'm going to ask you to do something. So this morning's theme has been prayer. Um, I want you to get out your phone and put a put a reminder in it if you want if you would. So daily reminder of a, of an alarm. If you can do an alarm, it would be great. Put it at two minutes after ten in the morning. Okay, because in Luke chapter ten verse two, it says, "Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers." Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He asks us to pray for that. You want to know how to pray in the Lord's will? He told us. <laughs> he said, ask me. So I want to encourage you to do that. It's in, it's in my phone, uh, and except on Sunday mornings, because lots of times services start at 10, and then it, my alarm goes off. <laughs> um, but, but I encourage you to do that. Um, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Maybe that's something you can do even this week as you're praying for Canada, that that's the time that you start doing that. Uh, but we, we would ask you to pray. We, um, this is not just isolated to like the Anglophone population in Canada, the, the numbers. Um, Mission Quebec, which is our, our ABEC church planting effort here in, in, uh, in Quebec, um, they're struggling to find planters as well. Uh, we have, we have um, six or seven church plants that are happening in the Francophone world. Some of them are replants, but some of them are new. Um, and, but they're, they're, they're also struggling for new planters. 
And so we need to pray that God would inspire the hearts of young men and women who will be part of teams and come together and reach new people for Jesus. Because one of the things that we do know is that when we start new churches, <laughs> the, the growth, 85% of the growth, growth is evangelistic. And you know, in our established churches, just a steady, steady fact, 80 or 15% of the growth is evangelistic and 85% of it is transfer. It's kind of the opposite in our church plants. So we want to do church planting because it's a great opportunity for reaching new people for Jesus. So I encourage you to pray for that. And, and it's, so we got a kind of a mixed bag today. It's a little bit of a sad story. But the good story is we've got an amazing team of people ready to equip. We've got resourcing. We've got all the stuff ready. We just need to get the workers in place to be able to go ahead and do this. And so when, when we... I know right now there are dozens and dozens and dozens of people who are praying specifically for this same thing. Um, when I send out these reports, they go out... Um, you know, at four times a year, many of our churches are using them as as their guides for their for their uh, on Wednesday night when they get together to pray. They use it in that way. I would encourage you to to put to put praying to the Lord of the Harvest as part of that, that He would provide us with workers because we are ready to come and do this. We are ready to work with you to see new churches started here. Uh, and we have all of the tools and the pieces in place, and we're waiting for it. So um, it's in the Lord's hands, and uh, we need, as His people, to plead with Him for that. So plead with me, please. Uh, would we do that? Maybe we'll just pray right now uh, before we get into the Word. Father, uh, You have told us that whatever we ask according to Your will, it will be done. Father, we know uh, that it is your will uh, to send forth workers. And so, Lord, we plead with you. Please send us workers, uh, men and women who would be part of teams to plant churches in Quebec. Lord, we need new churches here in Montreal. We desperately need people to come to faith in Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask that you would even raise up someone from here within Snowden uh, or someone else outside of Snowden. Uh, that would be a worker who would start a church here that we could support and get behind, equip and train and, and coach and be alongside. And so, Father, we commit this to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is kind of our tagline, until every man, woman, and child belongs. And uh, we just keep striving and pe keep wrestling with this. And this is why we pray so earnestly uh, for the workers and what's needed um, to see new churches starting. Um, oh, I just jumped. I don't know how it did that. There we go. I've known you for a while. And I've been here um, quite a few times now over the years. And, but something you probably don't know about me is uh, that my big brother, John, who 
he he died during COVID. Um, but John um, John was 13 years older than me. I'm the youngest of five siblings. Um, so there's more crazy people like me out there. Um, but John, John was born with Down syndrome. And he was an amazing blessing to our family. Um, some people call Down syndrome people the blessed ones uh, because there is a joy in their life. And uh, if you ever know someone with Down syndrome, usually there's a smile on their face. There is a joy and a peace that's there that's beautiful. John was like that. He was just a blessing to be around, a real real pleasure to be around. Um, the reason I, I mentioned John is that um, <laughs> John would get excited about things. We called him Johnny all, all the time. But Johnny would get just so excited about things. And, and sometimes... Uh, the joy of the anticipation was a little bit overwhelming. And, and it got to the point where sometimes if there was something, an event coming up, um, we couldn't tell him <laughs> because he couldn't handle it. He would get so excited. Um, and one of the things that he, he really, really liked was a, a camp uh, that was run by an organization called Christian Horizons. And it's a, it's, it was a camp for for um, mentally handicapped adults, uh, a Christian camp. And it was it actually a ministry started by, by one of our fellowship pastors many years ago. And uh, it's, it's now, um, it got many, many different ministries extended out from that. But that camp would happen in August. And you had to register for it in January. And... Um, a couple of times we made the mistake of, of letting John know that we were actually signing him up for it. Um, because once he got it in his head, he could not handle it. Uh, and, and he would get so excited that in February, uh, he would be coming downstairs in the morning with his suitcase packed. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be like, John, it's not today. Take it back upstairs. And, and oh, he would grumble and he'd go back upstairs and put his suitcase back. And, and then the next day, I'm going to Christian Risings today. And it was like, no, no, John. <laughs> and it would be every day. He could not wait. The anticipation uh, was just crazy. He was so excited about it. And there was this the sense where when he knew it was coming, um, there was a joy and an overwhelming anticipation of it. Now I say it, I, I tell you that to give you just some perspective of where we're going to go with our message today. So think about that overwhelming anticipation. Imagine with me for a, min a minute that you grew up in Israel back in the first century. You would have grown up um, in that dusty kind of an environment, um, having, having learned the scriptures from your childhood. As a Jewish person, you would learn and memorize things because they didn't have a copy of the Torah to have at home. They would have had to memorize these things. They would have learned them. Passages they would have learned were passages that, that often pointed them to the hope of Israel because they were a people who were under bondage, really, in a lot of sense. They were, they were oppressed. 
And so they learned the scriptures. They learned things that were, that were exciting to them, things that, that pointed them to the future. Passages like this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will sit on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And they would have grown up knowing these truths and waiting to see them fulfilled. Will it be this year? Will it be this year? Is it going to happen? Can you imagine when the disciples started to figure out that Jesus was the Messiah? Remember when he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter's like, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. <laughs> Jesus said, okay, you didn't get that from man. God gave you that. And he's overwhelmed. And, and it's just this powerful thing. People were trying to figure it out. And they, they got this idea, Jesus is the Messiah. Well, this brings us to the passage we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at Luke 19, but we're going to start by looking a little bit in chapter 18. In chapter 18 of Luke, uh, verse 31, so if you have your Bible with you, open it to that passage. So you think about it, the, the disciples that Jesus walked with were young men who were steeped in the Scriptures. Even though they weren't highly schooled, they had learned this from their childhood. And so they knew all this talk about the Messiah, and they were starting to figure it out. Jesus is the guy. <laughs> He's the guy. And, and this is crazy. And, and, and then Jesus, it says in chapter, chapter 18, verse 31, it says, Jesus took the 12 aside and he told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles and they will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples didn't understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them. They didn't know what he was talking about. Why do you think they didn't know? In, in their minds, he was the Messiah. He's the one who's going to make things right. They didn't get it. They look at this, and, and I think for every there's a very good reason why they didn't get it. Let's, let's just move on a little bit. In verse 35, Jesus approaching Jer Jericho uh, a blind man sitting by the road begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, 
he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. He followed Jesus, praising God. When the people saw it, they also praised God. The disciples didn't get it. Jesus is like, no, no, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be, you know, they're going to, they're going to crucify. What? You're the one. And they saw it with their own eyes. <laughs> and then Jesus enters Jericho, and, and we get the story of Zacchaeus, right? Wow. Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, he was wealthy, wanted to see Jesus, but he was a short guy. He couldn't see him, so he climbs up in a tree. Jesus is passing by, and he reaches the spot. He looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. <laughs> now, Zacchaeus was a jerk, okay? Just, just saying. He had betrayed his own people, his family, the whole thing. He was stealing from his own people to enrich himself. So he was a bad character. And Jesus says, come on down, I'm going to go to your house. That's like, it was crazy in the eyes of the people. Um, the people saw this and they began to mutter. He said, he's gone to the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, look, uh, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll repay them four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And the disciples are watching all of this. They're seeing the most foul person in their community transformed. And they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. It just was mind-boggling to them. So while they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Now, a parable is a story, not necessarily something that actually happened, but a story that Jesus tells to make a point, right? That's the whole purpose of a parable. It's a story to do that. And sometimes they, they may have been a true story, it may not, it doesn't matter when it's a parable, because a parable is, a, is saying, this is a story to make a point. And, and he told them this, this parable, and it tells us why. You always want to know why with a parable, because there, there's, you want to get the point. And, and the why is here. Because, it says in verse 11, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So, he was telling the parable to correct that. They thought the kingdom of God was coming now, and with good reason, okay? The disciples figured, he's the Messiah. We have all the proof. <laughs> the blind see, the dead are raised. I mean, my goodness, they've been watching this stuff. People who were, who were just foul sinners are being transformed. They're seeing all of that. It's no wonder. They didn't get it. And so Jesus says, i got to tell you a story. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and, and, uh, 
and, and gave them money, money, basically 10 minas. Uh, Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. And he was made king, however, and he returned home. And then he sent for his servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, here's your mina. It's earned 10 more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. His master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, Yamina has earned five more. And his master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here's your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. And his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be kin over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Wow, what a story. Uh, I mean, this is, this is what Jesus tells us uh, when he's trying to, trying to help us understand that the kingdom of God is not going to happen yet. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What are we looking at here? Well, there, there are um, three different responses that happen uh, when the people, uh, you know, in response to the king. And first off is, is denial. Uh, we don't want him to be our king. We don't want him to be our king. And there are a lot of people today who don't want to accept the king, right? Uh, they don't want to accept that Jesus is king. They don't want to believe that there is even a God. It doesn't change reality, right? It doesn't change reality, but, but they, they can deny it, but it doesn't change reality. Reality is that there is a God, and there is a king of kings and a lord of lords, and he's coming back. The second response is partial acceptance. And, and this is the response that, that the, the, the servant who had um, taken the coin, wrapped coins and wrapped it up and hid it away. Okay, I know he's like important um, and I'm kind of afraid and I don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm going to tuck this thing away. So I'm not going to be obedient. I'm just going to try and get by. And the response from the king was one that would have been heartache to the servant. He got exactly what he expected, which was nothing. Then there's a third response, and the third response is leaning in. 
The first couple of servants, sir, here's your mina, and it's earned ten more. Sir, here's your mina, it's earned five more. They, they, they tried, they did their best. They served God. They served the king. When he returned, they were able to lay it at his feet. And what did he respond with? Well done. Well done. And then give them great responsibility. What we learn from this parable, this story, is that the king is away. But he's coming back. This is what Jesus is trying to get it, get, get drilled into our heads. The king is away, and the kingdom of God is going to come. <laughs> he's, he's away, but he's coming back. And so what's our responsibility in the meantime? What's the mandate for us while we wait for the king to return? Well, um, in Matthew chapter 22, um, it, it tells us to... Um, oops, sorry. What did I do here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where I am now. Can you get me back there somehow? It's not doing anything. Okay, right, I'm going to try and go forward. I don't know what it's going to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what happened there. I pressed it once and <laughs> it went crazy. Okay, um, so while we wait, the first thing in Matthew chapter 22, they said, they asked Jesus in this, in this passage, what's the greatest commandment? Well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and strength, right? And to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and that fulfills all of the law and the prophets. Right? And, and so while we wait, this is important. This is important. And, and folks, we often are not loving and kind to our neighbors, aren't we? Yeah, sometimes people aren't very lovable, and so we don't do a good job of it because <laughs> on a, from a human perspective, it's like, well, they're not nice. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we have other words for them. And, and we don't want to, but, but God's told us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And, and loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Wow, do we really do that? Hmm. It's easy on Sunday, right? When you're here and... The worship team's up here, and, and Pastor Brent's preaching, and the word's really good today. It's like, oh, that I just needed that, and it's just, it's easy in that. What about Monday? Oh, or Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday morning is always like, it's kind of depressing. Middle of the week, you don't have the weekend yet, and you, got, you know, you got a couple of, it's, is it easy then to love God with everything? Sometimes No. We have to work at this. We have to do it. And, and that's, a, that's a good obedience because the king is coming back. He needs to find us faithful. 
We need to follow Jesus relentlessly. Hebrews 12, you know, we are running this race. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. We have this plan before us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything He's commanded us. These are mandates that are given to us while we wait. And it's easy not to do them because we can get caught up in entertainment and I, I'm guilty of it too. It's it's hard sometimes. You're tired and you sit down and you stare at the TV or or you thumb through Facebook on your phone. And you before you know it, you realize that 40 minutes went by and all you're doing is staring at somebody else's life. And it's probably not even true. <laughs> it's probably kind of fake. And so it you loving God and following him faithfully. And relentlessly. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says that you, you will be my witnesses. He's, he's, he's expecting it. This is not a, a, a suggestion. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There will come a day, no man knows the hour, when we will get to rest. We'll enjoy the presence of God and in adoration we'll sing the songs of revelation with His people and it will be beautiful and we'll do it and do it and do it. But that's not today. We get little glimpses today. But that day of rest is not yet. Today is the day of service while we wait for the King's return. If the Lord tarries many years from now when I'm lying on my deathbed, I don't want to be longing to trade every day from this one until that one for a chance to be obedient to my King. Our king is away and he's expecting us to live as faithful servants. Today is our day. We sometimes look back. I was here uh, during COVID at your, your, was it 80th or 85th? I can't remember now. 80 something birthday or anniversary as a church. And it's beautiful to look back God's faithfulness over the years. But today is our day. Will people look back and say, they were faithful. They served. Look what God did. And tell great stories of the feats that were accomplished in Christ's name through Snowden Baptist Church in 2023 and 24. Is it going to happen? Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful so that when they tell the story um, in glory of of what happened uh, in Canada in the early part of this 21st century that they have to talk about 
what happened in the fellowship. What happened among our churches? God did something amazing, and people came to faith in Christ in droves because God's people were faithful. You know what it took? Twelve men following Jesus to turn the world upside down? Look how many people are here. If we are faithful and relentless in our pursuit of the King, the world can be changed by us living in obedience to our Savior. That's what He wants from us. That's what He longs for. That's what He has required of us, to be faithful. So I want to challenge you today. It's our day for making the most of every opportunity because we know the days are evil, as Paul said in Ephesians. We know that. Let's be faithful to Him today. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Do whatever it takes in your life. Let's pray together. Father, You are our King, our God. We love You. And we thank You for the opportunity to serve You. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to be faithful to You, to serve You fully, because today is our day. And... Lord, we, we can't rest on the, Lord, or the past uh, and what others have done. Instead, we need to get out and do it. So Lord, help us to be that. In Jesus' name, amen.